This Washington Post Live podcast is supported by Kaiser Permanente, where members can see a doctor, get a lab test, and pick up medication all in one connected system, delivering healthy outcomes and consistent care. More at kp.org slash better for business. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. On Thursday, November 1st, National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow and Blue Mercury CEO Marla Beck joined policymakers and entrepreneurs at The Washington Post to discuss opportunities and challenges for small businesses in the United States. In this segment, small business owners and advocates discuss the realities of owning and sustaining a successful enterprise in today's economic climate and practical solutions to common problems these businesses face as they grow. Let's listen. Good morning, my name is Heather Long and I'm an economics correspondent here at the Washington Post. We're excited to continue this discussion about small business with two actual small business owners and two others who are on the front lines of setting small business policy in this country. Uh, so I'll start by introducing our, our great panel. Uh, just to my left here is Tom Sullivan, the Vice President of Small Business Policy at the US Chamber of Commerce. Uh, next to him is Mallory Shelter, a small business owner who just six weeks ago opened a store here in Washington, D.C. called Shelter. It's a wonderful jewelry store in the uh, Union Market area of the city. She's been a creator and designer of jewelry for several, several years and finally took the plunge to <laughs> open the business. Uh, in a brick and mortar context. Next to her is Gary Williams, uh, a creator and photographer. He's co-founder of uh, Creative Theory, a social consulting and content creation firm that he started with a partner in 2015. We're excited to have you here and you, you already won Best Shoes. Uh, hey, thank come you, on. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, it's a competition, yeah, we'll vote yeah, yeah. later. <laughs> and uh, last but certainly not least is Alan Gutierrez, an associate administrator for the Office of Entrepreneurial Development at the U.S. Small Business Administration. Okay. And he's been traveling the country, speaking to small business owners and working to help launch small businesses in this country. So I thought I'd kick it off by asking each of you to, to reflect a little bit about why we don't have more small businesses in this country. What people may not know is small business creation and new business creation is actually at a 30-year low in the United States right now. It, it fell pretty sharply during the recession, and it just hasn't bounced back, which has, has really baffled many people. And there's a lot of theories about why it is that we aren't seeing more new business formation in the United States. So I'd like to start, maybe Mallory will start with you since it's so fresh. You just started a business, you are bucking the trend. What, um, what was the one or two big hurdles for you to really get going? Yeah, um, well, I was running my business online for a very long time, so it was just me. Um, and we were speaking earlier about, you know, going to a physical location is a much different beast to deal with, um, and I would say, you know, definitely access to capital was a huge hurdle for me. Um, I didn't even need that much of it, but. Um, so are we talking was, like 
10,000 to no, 50,000? No, uh, a, a little more. A little more, okay. <laughs> um, you know, that was really difficult because you have to cover the build out and inventory buying and, you know, a lot of upfront costs to get that started. And I think a lot of people just don't have access to that. Um, I was very lucky that I was able to get a business loan, but I think that that's historically been hard for people. Um, and then finding talent, I really struggled with as well. Um, you know, having people who are, you know, willing to work in a small business and go through all of those ups and downs that come with working for a small business and be the jack of all trades. Um, you know, it's, it at times can, I, I feel like there's sometimes a little payoff for it. Um, and I think just finding the right people to work with, um, that's been a struggle. I'm, I'm lucky that I now have people, but um, that was definitely a, a struggle for me. And how many people have you hired just in the last few weeks? Seven. Wow, okay. Yes. <laughs> True job creation yes. in the city. They're all fantastic, thank you. <laughs> uh, I forgot to say that you can tweet us questions from the audience here or online. You can, all you have to do is use the hashtag post live, one word post live, and we'll throw some of those at the panel later on. Gary, what about you? What was some of the hurdles, big hurdles for you? For us, it's different. Obviously, we're a creative consulting company uh, and creation service, so we don't really need capital in no sense. We don't need a brick and mortar. We don't need a storefront. Um, we needed an office space. And for us, that's not a heavy lift as much as raising the capital you need to start a brick and mortar. So uh, I think for us, the main hurdle was the paperwork um, mm -hmm. and starting an LLC and getting all that done and then, and then getting a good accountant um, and things of that nature. And a lot of creatives that we talk to in our industry, they just, it's a daunting task, right? Um, they don't necessarily feel like they can do it or have the bandwidth to do it or know the right people who can lead them the right way as far as accounting and getting your paperwork uh, legit. So for us, um, it wasn't necessarily a hurdle. It was just a buckle down and let's do the right things we need to do to make this uh, a uh, official business and then take it one step at a time from there. And where did you get that help from? Was that from, from friends or from a... a yeah, so we've, uh, my business partner and I have been working in the industry before we were even okay. uh, together in business for a while. And so we've, we've made uh, great relationships across the board. Um, and so we just reached out to our network. Uh, we have a huge network here in DC, one being Eden's, which is a very big developer and one of our clients. And they are amazing um, and have been a great source for us. Um, if we need something uh, and they can't, you know, provide it, they know somebody who can. And so we just tapped our resources, um, again, which a lot of creatives don't have those resources. We were fortunate enough to know people yeah. uh, that could help us out. Tom, let's throw it to you. What one or two policy changes, uh, maybe at either the state level or at the federal level, do you think could really jumpstart business creation in the United States again? Well, I think, first of all, Heather, you know, we're seeing... Uh, record-breaking confidence in small business. Mm -hmm. So we run a quarterly survey of a thousand small business owners um, and for six consecutive quarters they have said that they are confident with the economy. And so as far as reversing a 30-year trend of declining entrepreneurship, we believe that confidence breeds more folks like Mallory and, and like Gary who want to plunge into entrepreneurship. 
So uh, we're very optimistic, kind of like most small business owners. Um, and, and we think that the reason for this confidence uh, are a lot of the things that Larry Kudlow just talked about, and those are pro-growth policies like uh, tax, tax cuts, regulatory reform, and others. So as much as we can have the uh, policy wind at entrepreneurs' backs, I think we will see a reverse in the decline of entrepreneurship. Great. And what about those paperwork or capital concerns? Are you hearing that a lot when you go around the country? Is that still a big hurdle for a lot of potential new business? Owners? We are. We are. Except it's it's lower on the concern list okay. than it has been. Um, I think Larry had mentioned NFIB uh, and the work that they do to survey small businesses. Uh, they had said that tax compliance and tax burden for the first time in over 30 years has fallen off the top five issues of concern. So they're still there, regulatory, uh, paperwork, tax compliance. It's just they're lower on the concern list that they used to be. Hmm. Uh, hiring employees is now number one. And hmm. so we've got a lot of small businesses from around the country that are jealous of Mallory <laughs> who can hire seven people in six weeks. Uh -huh. Uh, Alan, what about you? Uh, what do you think the best, uh, some of the best policies the Trump administration has done so far to try to reverse this 30-year trend? No, certainly. First of all, I'd like to say today is the start of National Entrepreneurship Month. So, uh, you know, happy birthday to all those entrepreneurships, uh, entrepreneurs out there. Certainly, that's um, um, what is the the engine, you know, uh, of this economy uh, from starting having an idea and growing it to fruition, like Mallory uh, and 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 Gary. Um, I would say that you know one of the things that Administrator McMahon, Linda McMahon, has been on her Ignite tour, and one of the things that she has been recognizing and looking at, uh, getting all the feedback from the different uh, uh, entrepreneurs and business owners of what is really helping them. Uh, in terms of the feedback that we're getting, is that you know, uh, obviously, like Tom was saying, you know, the less tax regulations, the opportunity to be able to. Um, be able to then uh, um, use those additional funds to be able to, to potentially hire new individuals or to potentially buy uh, new machinery that will take you to the next level. Uh, one example would be a gentleman down in, in, in Miami that had mentioned, you know, he has a brewery company and he's like, look, with this tax uh, um, uh, uh, cuts, I'm able to buy an additional uh, machinery that will be help, uh, help me in providing more of my brewery, but also in return also to uh, bring more employees uh, on board as well. Those are the th things that we're hearing out there uh, in that aspect that are, are refreshing and good. Uh, I think that like um, Tom had mentioned that uh, the confidence level, with the confidence level, certainly there's an opportunity uh, to take a little bit more of a risk, right, factor in that aspect. So what we say, and we would like to say from SBA, we're here to help. We're here to help you start, uh, grow, and expand your business. And that's one of the main things that, one of the many things that um, we're doing at SBA under the leadership of uh, Administrator McMahon. And what's your top priority for 2019? Uh, seems like a lot of things, confidence is up, but what else are you aiming to do and hoping to do in, in the coming months? Sure, a couple of things that we're looking at, certainly uh, we recognize the, the opportunity uh, to expand even more in rural, rural America, mm -hmm. to really to provide those tools and services. Recent examples that we have done is, for example, our new MOU with the USDA, Department of Agriculture, and how we can maximize each other's uh, resources to be able to reach out to the entrepreneurs and small businesses in rural America. Also looking at workforce development, too. What are the things that uh, we're going to be rolling out in the near future that will uh, work in a private-private uh, partnership 
partnership in that aspect to working with colleges and private sectors. And I know the president yesterday uh, mentioned about additional working more with private sector and, and their role as well in terms of workforce development, but also how we can work together as a team. Hmm. Let's stay on taxes for a second. Uh, Gary, you've owned your business for a couple years now. Have, have you felt the tax, uh, tax changes at all? Uh, f again, for us, it's, it's different. Uh, we definitely have, but I don't think on the scale that most larger business or maybe Mallory fills. Um, so for us, and we have a really good accountant. Uh, <laughs> Same. <laughs> it's key. Yeah, it's key. So for us, we've been able to make adjustments uh, uh, and kind of, um, I don't say fight off, but, you know, uh, just make adjustments necessary to 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 withstand those those policy changes, um, and so it's, it hasn't been a, a very huge factor for us. Um, but again, we are in the very infancy stages of our business, um, and I imagine as we scale, mm -hmm. these will become larger issues for us, and we'll be reaching out to one of these guys <laughs> to, <laughs> to help. Uh, us does out. it enable you to do anything? I don't know, buy new machines or buy a new camera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, always. We uh, we do buy equipment. We try to uh, stay up to date. As you know, it's a very technology-driven field, and so if you don't have the latest equipment, you're kind of behind. And so for us, we try to renew our equipment uh, yearly. Um, and there are incentives for that uh, as far as tax breaks and things like that, putting the money back into the business. And so we do feel uh, relief there. What about you, Mallory? Was that at all a factor as, as you look to expand? Um, it's definitely something I take into consideration. Um, you know, I've been, I've been lucky to have a profit in my business, um, but, you know, seeing that money be put aside for taxes can hurt sometimes. So, yes. um, you know, I wouldn't say that I... I feel it as much, but it's definitely something that I am constantly thinking about because every time, you know, it's not, it's, you're not getting a paycheck from another person and that's automatically taken out. I have to account for my employee taxes and my income tax and my sales tax and all of those things um, that I need to pull from my, from my business every month to pay. So it's, it's very much top of mind. <laughs> Tom, do we need another tax cut? The president has floated the idea that, that maybe he would like to do uh, another, and I think he said 10% for the middle class. Uh, some of that could be for small business owners. Is, is that needed, or has, have we done enough to really stimulate the economy? Well, the lens we always look through at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is growth. Mm -hmm. And so we see growth happening right now uh, with the tax cuts that happened around Christmas time last year. Um, and we have yet to see whether or not additional tax cuts are, are required to keep the 3% uh, growth going in the economy. Uh, there are a couple of things, though, that are important in the, in the small business tax world. Um, a lot of these uh, incentives uh, that Gary and Mallory talked about, they might be going away after 2025. Mm. And so the House passed uh, legislation that would make those permanent. We had uh, several hundred small businesses here for our summit just earlier, uh, earlier uh, last month, excuse me, the first week of October. And many of them went to Capitol Hill and they asked Congress, make those tax cuts permanent. And so I'm not sure if that meets the definition of additional tax cuts, but it's certainly a priority for the small businesses we talk with. And you really think that would be a game changer to make those permanent? Uh... I think so. I mean, like many folks, small business owners would like to have the luxury of planning multiple years ahead. So when they're making investment decisions on whether they want to grow their storefront or, or expand uh, their technology, they want to be able to look past next month. They want to look past next 
uh, next year. And the ability for them to plan past 2025 and count on certain parts of the tax code, uh, tax code changes is very important. Mm -hmm. I'd like to turn to health care. I'm actually surprised nobody's mentioned it yet. That seems to be, when, when, when I go around the country, something that a lot of people want to talk about who are small business owners, or even if they're not, about costs rising. Um, Mallory, maybe we'll start with you. How are you handling health care costs? Um, well, I'm lucky that I can get it through my husband's <laughs> um, company because I, I truly don't know what I would do mm. if that weren't the case. Um, it's something I think about a lot to provide to my employees, um, and it's a huge financial burden to me. So right now I, I have part-time employees, and I don't provide that to them, but you know, to retain talent and to get new people to work for you, I think it's something that you, I, I have considered offering, um, and it's one of those things I don't even know where to, where to start on. Hmm. You mean yes to who to go to ask, who to go to ask, this, yeah, my exactly, options. exactly. Um, Gary, what are, what are you all doing? So I'm fortunate to be on my wife's healthcare, <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean that's the nature of of the business, right? Uh, it's so obviously like I talk about scale. We are still in the infancy stage of our business, but scaling that will be something that we'll have to tackle. And obviously, we want to be able to provide healthcare for our employees when the time comes. Uh, but when you look at all of that entails, like it's it's daunting, it's expensive. Um, but again, I'm fortunate to be on my wife's, and even when I didn't have this business, I was working for myself as an entrepreneur. Um, it's expensive, you know. Uh, it says it's affordable health care act, but and I was affording it, but at a cost, you know. It, it was expensive, and so a lot of times I would I would get paid, and. I, majority of the chunk of that will go to my health care and we're not even talking about great health care we're just talking about bare minimum health care mm -hmm. right and so when you talk about health care there's a difference between health care and then good health care and obviously when we scale and we, we grow our business we want to provide good health care for our employees I don't know where to start like Mallory says um, but when that time comes uh, again I will be looking to, <laughs> to these guys to, to help um, but that is a that will be a, a uh, important task for yeah. us when that time comes. Alan, what's your take on, on this? What, what are some of the initiatives at SBA to try to make things more affordable? You know, I would say that um, certainly the president's been a true champion for small business, and, and we see it every day in terms of not only from less regulation, but also the tackling of the healthcare uh, challenge. For me, uh, I used to be in, in corporate and in the healthcare industry, and I remember those days where, you know, you have your clients that would have a, a, an increase of maybe 2 to 3 percent on their renewal. And that was kind of a, you know, uh, you, like Tom mentioned, you know, small business wants to forecast and see where uh, it is for next year, you know, budgets and planning and, and so forth. But uh, these recent years have been uh, spiked so much that it really has affected the bottom line for small business and also affecting in terms of the type of plans. And I think from the leadership of the president, certainly with the association health plans, is something that will really help in that aspect of really pulling uh, small businesses together and that opportunity to, to lower that uh, opportunity and keep the benefits at an at optimum level. So from us, from SBA, we don't, uh, you know, present the policy from that standpoint, but certainly we do hear that, and the Administrator McMahon does hear that, that health care is also, you know, they tell us, great on less regulation, less burden, less, less paperwork, but 
healthcare is still a, a big challenge for us. And certainly looking at these areas in terms of uh, the association health plans, I think, is, a, is a, a right step in the right direction. Now, a lot of people may not know what an association health plan is. Could sure. you just say so, uh, just a minute on? Sure. Well, just real quickly, in terms of it, you know, you as a small business, like Gary goes in and, and goes for a, 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 a health insurance plan, uh, the risk in, in, in is going to be affiliated only with his pool of employees. So let's say one, uh, uh, 10 employees, right? But if you uh, put all together, all, all of us have each an individual business, and we have 10 employees together, they, we've come together as a plan, and then there's an ability uh, for the healthcare industry to, to give you a plan to all of us that spreads the risk, right? So it lowers the cost in that opportunity. And that's what, you know, is beneficial for a small business owner, because then they're able to forecast and realize that it's not going to be such a burdensome on the uh, bottom line approach. And, and this is Heather, actually, yeah, yeah, I'll let you jump in a second, but I just want you. to point out that it's been, it is controversial. Yeah. Several states are suing the administration yeah. over this change. Some states don't allow these types of plans. And what Gary was saying, speaking of earlier, one of the big concerns is that uh, some of these plans may not offer what's considered good health care, what's considered a federally acceptable level of health care. So, you know, there's kind of, this is very much fresh in the debate right now, so I'm glad you brought it up. Tom, jump well, in. Thank you. The U.S. Chamber is really, really excited about association health plans because we work with 1,600 state and local chambers of commerce. And as recently as this month and last month, um, they have been offering association health plans to their small business members. So Las Vegas Metro Chamber of Commerce was one of the first in. Uh, then other chambers in Nevada jumped in. Lubbock, Texas mm -hmm. just went online with their association health plans. Uh, just yesterday, we saw a group of chambers of commerce in North Texas mm -hmm. that are offering association health plans. Um, and, and even the National Association of Realtors, which represents 1.3 million realtors, is looking at an association association health plan. And, and how do you all respond to that big criticism that what what's, would be offered under those plans is uh, is not acceptable? It's, it's not, doesn't meet the federal requirements. Maybe things like mental health or pregnancy even may not be covered. Well, unfortunately, Heather, we think that the rhetoric about that is, is part of fake news. Um, we, we actually believe that Secretary Acosta crafted the association health plan rule uh, in a way that makes sure that all the protections under the Affordable Care Act extend to the association health plans. He was very careful in writing it that way. And so this, the, the discussion about uh, skimpy plans, uh, pre-existing conditions, all those things, we unfortunately think that those aren't accurate uh, and also believe that um, if you follow the models that are happening in these state and local chambers of commerce and you talk with them about the offerings, you'll actually find out that this is an exciting opportunity to help provide guidance to folks like uh, Gary and Mallory. I think that's what's tricky is that they become so many different plans. Right. So you're trying to navigate. Uh, it could be very different in, from one community to the next right. in, in terms of what's being offered. But it's certainly a hot issue, and we'll, and we'll see how it evolves, particularly in the courts. I think that's a big question mark. If you're a small business owner, do you join this right now? join one of these plans when there, it could be challenged legally or overturned. We'll see what happens next year. Uh, let's turn to uh, hiring. Everybody's been very excited that, that Mallory's added some new employees. I, I know Gary works with a number of contractors on, on different projects you were saying that you're engaged in. Um, everybody's telling us it's super hard to find workers now. How'd you do it? 
Instagram. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no kidding. Um, yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, in in DC in particular, I've struggled because I don't, uh, you know, Tom and I were talking earlier, and I don't think there's that creative economy that's as strong as, as other larger cities. Um, and then again, I'm offering a part-time retail position, which isn't always the most glamorous. So, um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to find people. I have a lot of people who, um, you know, are working this in addition to other jobs to either maintain their lifestyle and be able to afford to live in DC or because they're looking for a creative outlet on top of a nine to five job that maybe isn't providing that. Um, you know, so I've been fortunate to find those people, but it's, you know, I, I am always fearful that someone will leave or I'll be short staffed. Um, mm -hmm. So it's something that, you know, is on my mind pretty much every day. And what about <laughs> what about wages? How you know, DC's an expensive city. We see other companies, Amazons, even the Walmarts of the world raising their their pay. Is it is it difficult for a small business owner like you to compete with that? How how do you set wages? Um, it is. I it's one of the things that I can do to rain, to maintain talent. Um, mm -hmm. so I I pay more than the minimum wage because I think that that's fair, and I also acknowledge that you know DC is an incredibly expensive place to live, um, and I'm lucky that I'm able to do that. But again, it's you know that that comes out of my bottom line of costs. It's it's a huge expense every two weeks when I go to run payroll. It's it's a big expense for me, but um, you know, I also want to be fair with <laughs> with the women who work for me. So. Yeah. Do you have any concerns? Larry Kudlow and, and, and the panel before was asked about raising the minimum wage, raising the federal minimum wage, which has been at $7.25 an hour for many years now, back over a decade. Um, is there a concern that you would have if, if it went to a certain level? A lot of people pushing for 15. Would that make any difference to you? I, that's what I pay right now. Okay, so, so, so you, you think <laughs> so it's no. doable. Yes. Uh, well, Ellen, what about you, um, this, this whole debate? Should the, um, if the minimum wage goes up, uh, can, can the economy handle that? I'll leave that to uh, another division of, <laughs> of, our, of our executive branch to, uh, to get to back to you on that. But I would say from a standpoint, um, what we're seeing, and I mentioned about our leader, a great leader and champion, Administrator McMahon, she's already been in less than a year over, uh, already has visited 44 states hmm. um, and, and meeting with all entrepreneurs and small businesses. And, and that has been uh, a, a reoccurring that we've been hearing, you know, access and opportunity to hire more. I mean, we, that, it's, a, it's in a way a good problem to have as opposed to, you know, we have a lower unemployment rate, a lowest in the Hispanic community, lowest in the African-American community, but what can we do to really be there as an agency, as SBA, uh, to assist? And that's what I mentioned in terms of looking at uh, in the upcoming year uh, some of the initiatives that we're looking at potentially for workforce development yeah. and partnerships that we really recognize in, in looking at not only urban but also rural that will uh, offset and we're looking forward to announcing that very soon. And um, is, would you say that's the number one issue you're hearing uh, is, is this trouble finding workers? I, it's, it's, it's at the top, like okay. Tom mentioned, you know, you know, now you got less, you know, less regulation, uh, less uh, cost per, per employee uh, in, in a good direction, right? We're not there yet. It's our cost around 10000 per employee in the small business where a larger employer can absorb that, right? So we always want it the lower the better. But I would say that um, that area in terms of workforce development is key for us in that aspect. 
And can you give us a hint of what's coming? Is it more physical centers on the ground or more? Well, I would say part of it, like through my division uh, in entrepreneur development uh, office is looking at uh, maximizing our, our three lanes, our resource partners that I have that are external and also looking at extending new partnerships and new strategic alliances, uh, as mentioned in the past with, with colleges and private sector and so forth to really make it a win-win for everybody. Hmm. Uh, Tom, I want to throw it back to you. We uh, haven't talked about tariffs, but I, I, that definitely pops up on the list that a number of small business owners I've talked to around the country are concerned about. They aren't able to negotiate prices like a larger company can. Uh, how concerned are you that we've got potentially more tariffs coming on, on, Chinese, on Chinese products? Well, we're very concerned. I mean, uh, we've talked about a major headwind for small business, which is finding qualified and willing employees. We view a trade war as another one of those headwinds. Uh, like you said, Heather, um, the small businesses don't have the luxury of looking five to seven years out and cutting the contracts mm -hmm. uh, with suppliers. Small business owners are much more beholden to price changes. So uh, they would like very much for the negotiations and the tariffs to lead to certainty and to trade deals. The longer this goes on, I think the worse it is, the worse off it is for small business. Yeah, because they can't absorb those costs. Correct. Now, do you think they're going to start passing those costs along to consumers? Are you starting to hear people say, look, I can't afford to pay for higher costs for steel or aluminum. I'm going to need to charge more for my products? Well, we, we were visiting with Tracy and Lori Tapney up in, um, up in Minnesota a couple months ago, and they do a sheet metal fabricating. Mm. Um, they're already passing along their, their costs to their customers, their supply chain. So um, it's already happening. Uh, whether it's boiled down to the consumers, um, only the data will tell that, but the cost escalation is already happening, and we're pretty scared that uh, that be a headwind that will uh, detract from the growth that we're seeing. Yeah, yeah. Well, to wrap it up, we've only got a few seconds, but Gary and Mallory, what's the best part about being a small business owner in Washington, D.C.? You go first. <laughs> uh, for us... Other than good shoes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> For us, uh, as a company, we started out um, obviously very involved in the D.C. creative community. And one of our main goals was to uh, represent underrepresented communities mm -hmm. in the D.C. area that we knew were creative, talented, and deserved a shot. And so for us, when we, we work on a contract-based business, so project-wise, we get a project once a month or something like that, we try to bring in or source from the local D.C. community to uh, add value to these projects. And so uh, just last week, we wrapped up a huge project with YouTube where we were able to hire and source 20-plus DC creatives and entrepreneurs for this project. Um, and so for us, that is the major thing, uh, being able to uplift your community and uh, give underrepresented communities opportunities like this to work with Fortune 500 companies. Uh, that's a huge benefit to us, and that's kind of where we hang our hat on. Well, that's pretty inspiring. All right, Mallory, yeah, wrap us up. Oh, <laughs> um, you know, I think in DC, as a city, it's it's starting to experience a little bit more of a creative renaissance. Um, so I think people in the area are really excited for for new businesses. I'm lucky to be um, my store is located in the Union Market District, where there's a lot of up and coming businesses opening up, um, and you know people are just thrilled to have local retail offerings. Um, you know, I think on a larger level, I. I am able to support other businesses. I carry um, over 30 female-run mm -hmm. jewelry brands in my store, um, and you know I'm 
I'm honored to be able to, to support them and you know bring them into my store and offer them the opportunity for their work to be um, seen by other people. So that's that's pretty amazing that I can you know mm -hmm. as a, as a jewelry designer and now a store owner. It's it's I'm honored that you know I can help these people out as well. Neat. Well, look out, New York and LA. Yeah. DC's coming <laughs> with the creative stuff. Well, thank you so much for your insights today, and stay tuned for the healthcare panel next. Key topic. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.